The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. The way Shirley and Russell Derman died, the way their bodies were found, and what had been done to them as they both neared their 90th birthdays, it was beyond heinous. Why would someone decapitate Russell Derman, an 88-year-old retired man, living out his golden years with his wife in a beautiful lake community in Georgia? Why would someone murder his 87-year-old wife, Shirley, and dump her body in the lake five miles from their home? In the years that have followed, no reasons or explanations have emerged, nor any suspects. Is there something in the Dermans' past that would relate to some form of a motive here? Or is this just a random crime? They're still out there, and by God, they're capable of doing anything they had no enemies they led a quiet life on a lakeside perfectly happy two peas in a pod a cup and a saucer that's who they were they were both found dead beheaded beheaded 
is in above the fold of every article written about them, beheaded. Why? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories, and I want answers. I want answers about Russell Dermond, Russell and Shirley Derman, their bodies found floating in Lake Oconee, Shirley's body was, with a horrific blow to the head, and then the beheading that to this day still consumes the local sheriff. Joining me right now is a special guest, Joe Kovac from the Macon Telegraph, along with Cold Case Investigator, actually the director of the Cold Case Institute, Cheryl McCollum. Guys, I tell you what, if these were my parents, I would be a hound from hell until I found out who did this to them. To hit, beat my mother, to behead my father, Kovac, thank you so much for being with us. Let's start at the beginning. What do we know about them? This couple, Russ and Shirley Derman, were to attend a Kentucky Derby viewing party at one of their neighbors' houses, and that Saturday they never showed up. And a couple of days go by, and their neighbors go by their house and discover the body of Russ Derman headless in his carport between a Lincoln Town car and a Lexus SUV parked in their two-car garage. The door was shut. Wait a minute. Cheryl, did you get that? It was Kentucky Derby weekend. You know, when everybody has a, goes to parties and watches what the Derby's like three minutes long, and it's a big to-do. Now, you know, my coworker, Dee, every year wears a new hat. Whether she's sitting alone in her den in New York City, which I call the teacup because that's about how big her whole apartment is, <laughs> she will have on a hat and she will have probably a tray of, let's just say she's not afraid of a cocktail. <laughs> of let's just I don't know how many mint juleps are, disappear mysteriously that day. Okay? But people really, as we say down south, put on the dog. They really know how to celebrate the Kentucky Derby. Now, you said that they were invited to a Kentucky Derby shindig. Did they go to it? No, they didn't. They so never showed could up. could they have been missing at that time? Were they expected to be there? Yeah, they were, and, and that was what, again, a couple of days Wait ago. Wait a minute, by. Cheryl, there's our timeline. That's the beginning of the timeline, I would say, right there. The timeline is from Saturday to Tuesday. In that time frame, nobody saw them or heard from them. So let's just start the timeline, we think, unless you're about to tell me something new, like they missed something else so they didn't answer the phone or they didn't show up for dinner somewhere. We'll start the timeline at the Kentucky Derby party, unless I hear different. Okay, Joe Kovac with me, making Telegraph, and Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Institute. So no one really checks on them for a couple of days because it's just assumed they just didn't want to get out and, and, and come to the party. Cheryl, do we have any idea who it was that found them? I doubt it was the police, so that leaves either neighbors or relatives. Do you have any idea who found them? 
they were neighbors and good friends. Cheryl, what happened then? Well, Nancy, we have the husband who was found dead in the carport. And at this point, they fear that the wife has been kidnapped. She's not in the carport. She's not in the house. She's not in any of the vicinity of the neighborhood. You know, I'm thinking about the husband in the carport. Um, their carport, as I recall, had a, 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 a door that comes down over it. Is that right, Joe? It was a two-car garage. And there was a, a door, I think, that goes in from the kitchen of their house into the carport that was closed. Right. And there are two doors facing the driveway also. This is a lake house. That's right. So Cheryl, somebody goes in, and it seems like, now see, this, in my mind, seems so um, planned to actually behead someone and kill two people at the same time. But the fact that he was in the garage would suggest to me either one of two things, that he was trying to leave or that he was out in his garage puttering around and that is when he was ambushed. A lot might depend on which way he was headed. What, what do we know about the way in which he was found, Cheryl? He was laying there with his head missing. We don't know direction. There's no fourth entry. There's no sign of a real struggle. It was just he's right there. That's it. Let's go out to the lines. Joining us right now is Mike from Kennesaw. Hi, Mike. What's your question? Thank you, Nancy. I was just wondering what business that this family was in. This sounds like a, a, a professional hit. And what kind of business or entanglements they may have had that would have prompted something like this? Why do you say, Mike from Kennesaw, that it sounds like a professional hit? Because that's my opinion, too. Go ahead. Didn't sound like there was very much evidence. Nobody saw anything. Um, you know, it just sounds like it was very well organized and well, very well thought out. Well, you know what did it for me, Mike? The beheading. Yep. Because that's something you don't see every day. You see hit and runs. You see uh, domestic violence, shooting, um, asphyxiation of children, people killing for insurance money. Burglary's gone wrong, revenge killings, not too many of those, but a beheading and the murder of this couple, two people at once. But the beheading is what really did it. I mean, how rare is that, Cheryl McCollum from the Cold Case Institute? I mean, I, I, you just don't see a beheading every day, Cheryl. I can say that no, much it, anecdotally. It, 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 it's extraordinarily rare, especially with a couple like this. Um, for all intents and purposes, they had no enemies. They didn't owe large amounts of money. They weren't, you know, active in this underworld, so to speak. So it truly, it's so rare, Nancy, that as soon as you hear it, everything else should stop. Russ Derman was found dead by friends who had dropped by to check on him and his wife the morning of May 6th after they did not show up that weekend at a Kentucky Derby party. His headless body was found lying in a pool of blood in the family's two-car garage. Shirley was then discovered. At first, they thought she had been kidnapped. How was her body found? And I'm going to throw that out. To Joan Kovac. Ten days go by after the grisly discovery in that carport. Uh, some fishermen out on Lake Oconee 
saw something floating in the water, and it was Shirley's body face down, and tied to her legs or tied to her body were two 30-pound concrete bricks. Oh, my stars. Oh, Cheryl. Cheryl, did you hear what Kovac just said? Weights. So this was absolutely not somebody breaking in and uh, burglarizing and the couple comes in and they kill them. You don't, you don't hang around to put weights on somebody. And you said 10 days past 10 days. They're running up the wrong tree for 10 days thinking she's kidnapped when right there, literally in their backyard is the vacation spot, Lake Oconee. I got to tell you guys something. I took my children the other day uh, hiking along the Chattahoochee. The whole time, I'm so, I kept thinking, please don't let a dead body go by. Please don't let a dead body go by. Because see, in my mind, everybody in the studio is staring at me. Because all I can think about are all these cases, Cheryl. And of course, uh, the Wayne Williams case. Sure. Where he got caught throwing his last, we hope was his last victim, over the side of the bridge. Absolutely. To go float down the river. And I just couldn't stop. I couldn't help it. You think I've been doing this too long? Anyway, I'd say, oh, look at that little butterfly. Please don't let there be a dead body. Please don't let there be a dead body. Anyway, um, so that was my day. Back to this. Ten days passed. How crucial was that, Cheryl? The ten days they lost. It was so crucial. But again, there's very little evidence in the home. Now, because she was concealed in water, there's less evidence on her. So you've got two killings two crime scenes, and you should at this point start a parallel investigation. Well, the reality is, although I'm saying, oh, they lost 10 days, let's think this through just a moment, because they knew they had a crime scene, they knew there was a murder, so they were processing it as a murder. The only thing they didn't have, the missing piece of the puzzle, was Shirley. So they find her body, and what did they determine was the cause of death, Joe? Um, Blunt force. Uh, uh, She might have been beaten to death with perhaps a hammer. Why do you say perhaps they couldn't get any of the shape of the hammer? That's one of the few things you can get a shape from the indentations on the body is a hammer. Yeah, and and I guess being in the water for 10 days may have obscured some of that, but uh, the water washed away perhaps a lot of uh, trace evidence uh, impact, but that's their supposition anyway. Just so your listeners have an idea, uh, this late, this ain't no pond we're talking about. Shirley was found five miles from her house by water. As you know, Nancy, uh, Oconee there is a 20-square-mile a impoundment, as Sheriff Howard Sill says. Uh, it, it's surrounded by big houses, golf courses. Um, if you take I-20 east out of downtown Atlanta about an hour or so, about halfway to Augusta or the South Carolina border, you'll kind of come to a a big lake, and uh, as you cross the northern tip of Lake Oconee there on Interstate 20, I guess it's about five or six miles down the water uh, toward the Dermot House, to the Dermot House. Um, their place was about a $700,000 house that overlooked a, a cove there, and that's one of the things about this is not only did they, did they live in a cove by lake that you have trouble seeing from the water even today, they were also in a cul-de-sac that was surrounded by trees, so it was the perfect 
place for something to happen and nobody to see. Do we know whether there was a sex attack on her? I don't think there was. Cheryl, has that never been released? Was there a sex attack on her? It has not been released, Nancy. But that's one thing that she was placed in water that you would think about. Because water usually is to conceal another crime, to wash something away. Well, So it's something to think about. I'm a little stumped right here because if there has been a sex attack, a um, a rape, for instance, a, a traditional, a tr- traditionally known rape, there would still be DNA evidence after ten days in the water, Cheryl. Possibly. Uh uh-uh, uh 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 no no no. I, I've just got to say that if there were no, if there was normal penal vaginal rape. There would be degraded, yes, but there would still be, 10 days later, there would still be indicia of spermatozoa, absolutely. Correct. Because after X, num- after X number of hours on uh, spermatozoa, the head comes off, and after X number of hours, the tail comes off, but DNA would still be there. DNA that could be traced. Well, here's the reason I say possibly. If this happened, you know, it depends on whether or not a prophylactic was used. There's other elements there that might have been, again, for concealment. So possibly. Mm, okay, Cheryl. You you say tomato, but I'm going to say uh, pumpkin squash on this one because uh, when you come in and that and that is your intent to rape, I don't think anybody's really thinking about using a condom. But, 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 the reality is, I don't think she was sex attacked. I don't either. I don't think that happened because of the, uh, because of the mode of killing. So, um, um, uh, you know, arguing over nothing because I really do not believe, given the circumstances under which they were found, that this was about a sex attack. This was a planned event. But Why? That's where we stand right now, but there's so much more. We are trying to figure out a cold case. A lovely couple murdered brutally, and people only realize something is wrong when they don't show up for the Kentucky Derby party they were invited to. Then the discovery of the husband beheaded Five miles and ten days later, they find his wife floating face down in the Oconee River. And to this day, there is not an answer. And this quiet little community, this has never happened before. Question. Joe, did they ever find his head? No. And they have looked. They were... Deputies fanned out for across this neighborhood and across the area, just doing the grid searches and all they could do. At one point, I think the day Shirley was found in the water, one of the Atlanta TV reporters had asked, couldn't you have done more to find her? And, and Sheriff Howard Sills replied, well, short of bringing in the United States Navy to search this 18, 19,000 acre lake, I don't know what we could have done. So, I mean, it's not from a lack of hunting it. Searching water is extremely difficult, extremely difficult. 
And speaking as an experienced diver, I can tell you, even a dive team in lake water, it's very difficult because it is murky. It is um, on the bottom, can be muddy, sandy. The water is dark. It's very, very hard to do a dive search. And that's a good point that you bring that up. Yeah, because speaking of diving, she was found in 50 feet of water. This is not far from the Wallace Dam where she was dumped. The other thing about Lake Oconee is it's a man-made lake, and what's just under the water in those? Trees. And there's still, it, it, mm-hmm. the lake was built in 1980 or so, and underwater there's still these, it, it's a graveyard of old tree stumps, and some of them just beneath the surface. So she was even tangled up in one of those trunks. Uh, it's a miracle she came to the top. I was just about to say, instead of trashing the cops on this one, we better praise the cops. It is a miracle she was ever found. And her being found that close to the Wallace Dam, I have a strong feeling that they dumped her for a, a distance away, believing she'd never be found. We are talking about a couple found beheaded and th- the wife thrown near a deep, deep, dam in the Oconee River. 2017 marks the 40th anniversary of the Summer of Sam. To mark the occasion, Pocketbooks is proud to release a special anniversary edition ebook of Son of Sam by Lawrence D. Klausner. This is an incredible story of how a single man, David Berkowitz, dubbed Son of Sam, the demon-haunted 44 caliber killer, killed six, wounded several others, and terrorized millions of New Yorkers over eight known attacks from July 1976 through August 1977. It's also the story of the greatest manhunt in the history of the New York Police Department, the intimate narrative of the men assigned to tracking down a lone killer. The police task force investigated more than 3,000 suspects, some of them cops, before finally making an arrest. In the meantime, politicians watched a city writhe in panic, newspapers played upon the fears of their readers, and the criminal justice system showed itself incapable of coping with the man who committed such horrendous crimes. Download Summer of Sam by Lawrence D. Klausner today. Royalties earned from the sale of this book will be shared between the victims or their families and the author. They don't show at a Kentucky Derby party. A couple of days later, as the week goes on, neighbors check in on this couple to find the worst possible scenario. The wife is gone. Shirley is missing, believed to be kidnapped. The husband has been found beheaded, beheaded in the garage. His head has never been recovered. Never. Now, what does that say about who the perpetrators are, Cheryl? Nancy, it says that they could have kept it as a calling card, a trophy. They could have taken it as a calling card to show other people, hey, look what we did. You better behave yourself. Um, They could have used it with the wife to force her into the boat. Because, again, you're talking she was taken away. She was not killed there. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, let me respond to what you're saying. Number one, it was not a calling card. Because when you have a calling card, you give the card to somebody. Do you really think, Cheryl McCollum, come on, you and I have analyzed so-called conspiracy cases our whole life. I guess since we were in third grade, it feels like. You know nobody can keep their yaps shut. Uh -uh. Mm Uh-uh. No, I agree with you. 
I'm just saying that's one of the, if you're looking at whether or not this was a hit, that's something the mob would tend to do. Yeah, okay, I agree I with that. I agree with that. His head's in that lake. I do. I believe it's in the lake. I think but, so. But too. again, with her. Hold on, I heard Kovac uh, join in that he thinks so too, because think about it, Cheryl, what Joe Kovac told us a few moments ago about the bottom of that lake. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're doing, say, let's just say side scan sonar, you're going to see. The outline of trees and stumps, right. they'd never find it. No. Never. If it were in that lake. Never. I could just see them taking his head by the hair and throwing it right out in the middle of that lake. And why, Cheryl, uh, do you believe, and I'm not so sure I agree with you on this one, why do you believe she was killed elsewhere. I think she could have easily been a soft kill, like asphyxiation or a blow to the head. Well, it was a blow to the head. Uh, and I don't think they took her out on a boat to do it. I think they killed her right there and then dumped her body. Why do you think she wasn't killed right there? All right, stay with me. Okay. Stay with me. Just like we used to be in the war room. I'll try. She was treated differently. Her head was not severed. But she's taken and put in a location that is five miles away by boat. She is tied down with cinder blocks. They did not want her to reappear. Why not just kill her and behead her beside him? They treated her differently, Nancy, and that needs to be focused on. Ooh, ooh, that's a really, you know, you should probably be something like the director of a cold case institute, Cheryl. Back to you, (laughs) Joe, Joe Kovac. What about that? That's actually very significant that she was treated differently. And do you believe, Joe, she was taken somewhere else to be killed? And this is actually very critical. Yeah, Cheryl brings up a great point, and she's probably on the right track. I mean, I say probably because these things, no one knows this is all speculation, but still there's probably no doubt that the killers separated the couple. That That's at least one of the theories from the investigation that, that these bad guys or bad guy, but most likely bad guys separated them, took Shirley to some other location. And perhaps, perhaps it was some kind of an extortion try that they played them against one another, that they used, leverage, I guess, against one another to find something that perhaps this couple who'd been married for 68 years didn't have. And in the end, maybe they thought these, this couple, the Dermans, had money and they couldn't find it, so this is the ending. Um, it might have been that way anyway. Um, but again, these are all guesses, but the fact that they were taken, parted in some way, I wonder if there were phone calls made back and forth saying, look what we're doing, tell us where the money is, tell us where whatever it is is. And when you can't tell somebody something that doesn't exist, uh, Lord help you. Cheryl, I'd like to hear your response to that theory. It's it's pretty good. And, And again, Nancy, there's blood in that garage. There's a lack of her blood. They took great time with her. They took her five miles away. They risked being seen. They risked her screaming over water. They risked several things to put her in a different location. So, again, my focus, I would start with her. Let me ask you this, Joe Kovac from the Macon Telegraph. Are we sure that she was taken out onto the water by boat? 
or could it have been by car? Could she have been, is there any location they could have dumped her by car? I've been on the lake a lot. I grew up fishing over there and I've been there recently uh, by boat. Um, there's where she was, I mean, short of a, somebody swimming out there, I mean, which is unlikely, um, there had to have been a boat involved. There's no bridge there. Um, what is interesting is where they found her isn't far from at least one boat ramp. So, again, it's also possible, and I think the sheriff early on wondered if this had been done by car and then the disposal part done by boat, that perhaps these killers didn't come by boat in the first place, but secondarily used a boat to dump her body. Now, you could argue either way, but I think he thinks that a car came uh, to the house, at least at some point. Okay, so bottom line, we don't know. I'm very familiar with the area as well from having been a camp counselor there uh, for at the 4-H uh, National Park there. Let me get back to the disposal of the body because you're right. But, you know, Cheryl, he was special too because beheading is very, very rare. Absolutely. And, and, and at least our world in our country, in the U.S., that's a very, very um, obscure way to dispose of a body. And the fact that his head has never been found, it, it, it means something. It means something. So, Cheryl, the fact that we believe, I, see, I was thinking there may have been an overpass of some sort where they could have dumped her, you know, much the way Wayne Williams dumped sure. off into the Chattahoochee, his bodies. But you guys are telling me, no, there's no overpass. They would have had to have done it, most likely, by boat. See, that adds a lot to who the killers are. Somebody that may have come by boat. Mm -hmm. Also, did they have a boat dock in their backyard? Yes. Mr. Kovac? Sure, they did, yeah. They did. Still there. Wow. So, what does that mean to me, that the killer may have come by boat? Does that mean it was somebody that lived on the lake, was familiar with the lake? Obviously, they had to be to navigate the water and get to the right boat ramp. Wouldn't you agree with that, Joe? Well, I guess you just get in the water and go back the way you came. I mean, did they use GPS, that sort of thing, to get around? Yeah, there, there's so many ways to speculate on that. I've often wondered if, if this were, again, playing the other end of it, if it were some random attack. Someone cruising down the lake looking for a light on uh, in the late in the early spring. Then I just don't know that you would have picked that house. Wait, somebody cruising around the lake looking for a light on that it would be completely diametrically opposed to a specific Correct. hit. You can't have. Correct. First of all, somebody cruising around on a boat probably would have money to have a boat let's just say it's not a homeless vagrant that wandered in somebody is cruising the oconee with a boat and i i you know i've just mastered gps in my car all right so it's hard for me to imagine doing gps out on the water but cheryl Turn I don't, it this wave right yeah cheryl I, I i i don't believe it was anybody that needed gps no i think they knew exactly where they were going you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't say, oh, they looked for a light on and saw this place, and it was a targeted hit. So, no, I was bringing up the other, I think the evidence, the other end of the spectrum being they don't know, but you go from, from totally random to total uh, takeout. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Hold on just one moment, guys. I'm going out to the lines. Max, North Carolina. Hi, Max. What's your question? Hello. Well, I've got a couple of questions. Um, first of all, uh, it, it likely was someone who killed them who were familiar with the neighborhood. They were local people, in my, in my opinion, number, number one. And then did the police find uh, the couple? And, and I wasn't clear as to what happened with the husband. Uh, did he also disappear, but they found uh, her? But also, did the police find their um, their cell phones at their home? And maybe there was some uh, talk over the cell phones in connection with this whole terrible you know, thing? Um, Max, the, this is the case where the husband is found beheaded in the garage and the wife's body is not found. For days later, 10 days later, five miles away, face down in the Oconee near a dam, a, a huge dam. And let me understand this. Cheryl, is there not a, a bridge going over the dam? She couldn't have been thrown from the bridge. I'm, I'm focused on the fact that the killer has a boat. Yeah, there's no bridge. There's no overpass. There's no way to get to that location except for boats. Well, the more questions... Especially with a body... And 30 pounds. The more questions I ask, the more questions I have. This is what I know for sure. He's beheaded, she's bludgeoned dead, and thrown purposefully into the Oconee River. And to this day, the case hasn't been solved, nor has the head been found. Okay, here's another wrinkle. Here's another uh, wrench to throw at you two. To Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Institute, it doesn't end there. What about the rest of the family? Nancy, this couple had a son that was also murdered years before in what appeared to be a drug deal gone bad. You know, I'm just, I'm just taking that and what you just said and working it over and over in my mind. Because once you say drugs, all bets are off. Those people are vicious. Absolutely. Vicious. What do you think of that, Joe Kovac? The spe- I mean, this couple in no way, they were pristine. Their reputations were beyond reproach. So could they in any way, Joe Kovac, be connected to their son's murder? Could they perhaps likely know? I mean, his killer is in jail. Well, their son's killer is still in prison. Uh, that happened back in 2000. Uh, on the west side of downtown Atlanta. Okay, what about that, Cheryl? How does that affect their murders? Well, again, if there's a drug connection, that there's other people that may have known that this victim came from money. Perhaps they wanted to go to the family and extort them for some other reason. You know, now that is a good idea. It's, it's just something you have to that, run down. That's a good idea sure. because not necessarily, I mean, it sounds like it's out of a, a fifth grade novel, all right, uh, that... There's this big conspiracy, and they think they know more about the case. It could be just as simple as whatever doper killed the son had an accomplice or talked from behind bars and told somebody about this couple that they're rich and they have a nearly million-dollar house on the water, and this is where they live, and this is what you can find in the house. It could be just that Simple, Cheryl McCollum. It absolutely could be. Of course, if it's that simple, Joe Kovac, you would have expected it to be solved by now. If it were just some 
Penny Annie Doper that came in, you would have not expected such a clean kill. I mean, to behead somebody and not leave any DNA evidence, uh, that's almost impossible. And the same with killing her, bludgeoning her dead, and then attaching weights to her body and taking her, most likely by boat, five miles to dump her? Uh-uh. No, that's not an amateur, Joe Kovac. Yeah, is one of the couple's surviving sons... Keith, who lives down in Florida, told me last year, you know, he said, it's bad enough, enough to lose both of your parents at the same time, but in the way it happened, he said, you could have had Sherlock Holmes on this case from day one, and he says, I don't know that Sherlock Holmes would have solved it. He said, you do something like this and don't leave any clues, it's hard to believe. Were there other children or just the one other son? They have a daughter and two sons survived. And what do we know about them? What do they say about um, this? I've only spoken to one of their uh, children, and Keith Dermond, who I think is their oldest surviving Have child. they been cleared? That's what I want to know. I believe so. I believe so. And again, as much as you can clear someone in, a, in an unsolved murder. Was anything taken from the home, Joe? Not that they know of. The place wasn't Darn. in disarray. It was... Uh, one investigator told me that, that the house was kept so clean that you would one of those you'd eat off the floor kind of places. It just a a beautiful home that was uh, aside from maybe a lamp or two that was moved or uh, nothing to really say there was a struggle in the mm, house. Mm, sounds like more like an ambush. More and more, Cheryl McCollum. It does. Now, Cheryl, what if any th- what if anything can you tell me about a man seen near the home of Russ and Shirley? Derman around the time of their murder. Well, there was a witness that saw a man in the yard, but I believe, Joe, that the sheriff has excluded him. Yeah, the, well, I guess nobody's excluded, but again, that's one of the things with these, as these go, the more people you talk to, the more you're at least fairly certain of who isn't involved, and that's sometimes half the battle. So you're saying, Joe, that the one guy seen near the scene has been excluded? No, I don't know that. No, I, I'm not aware of that. I don't, I don't even know that he's ever been identified. No, this was just a, a kind of a, a, a phantom, I guess you want to call it. Cheryl, what do we know about any potential suspects? To my knowledge, Nancy, they have none. They have developed no clear motive. They've develop no clear person of interest. When law enforcement, including an FBI agent, arrive at the scene where Shirley's body surfaced, they found that she had been tied to cinder blocks before being placed in the water. She had been struck and killed by a blunt force object, possibly a hammer, which has never been found. Hammers Unlike, say, mm, a baseball bat or a rock, make a very distinct pattern. With a bat or a cylindrical object, you can sometimes get the shape, but with a hammer, you can actually see on a body the indentations from the hammer head or the claw. The problem is she had been in the water for 10 days, which greatly degraded the skin surface and could have ruined any evidence from her skin surface regarding the indentions of a hammer. That is the problem. Would it make a difference? Yes, it would. But we can go on the theory that they think the murder weapon was a hammer. What does that mean? 
Was the hammer missing from the home or was the hammer brought in? We know they had to get there by boat, by boat, either getting there or disposing of the body by boat. That is very critical. It is isolating who may have done this. Someone that had access to a boat, owned a boat, or knew how to get one and use it on the Oconee River. They also knew where the Wallace Dam was because that is where her body was left or floated to. Why? It's extremely deep there. The churning of the water of the dam would take her body down, down, down into that underwater forest that Kovac just described for you. Someone knew exactly what they were doing. This is not an amateur, and these people are still unapprehended. His head has never been found. Boxes scattered throughout Sills's office, who was a law enforcement officer on this case, contain literally hundreds of interviews with individuals, media trying to get information, phone record information, unknown numbers of pages of financial records, bank statements, credit card, tax records, you name it. That is what they continue to sift through. What do we know about their finances, Joe Kovac? Well, Russ Derman had been in the, an executive for a clock manufacturer, I think, up in the New York City area. They're both New Jersey natives, Shirley and Russell. After retiring or leaving that business in the 80s, early 90s, Russell started uh, managing a chain of fast food restaurants around Metro Atlanta. I think they had about 10 restaurants. And... They later retired to the lake around the turn of the century. They Okay, hold on just a moment. Cheryl McCollum, that sounds like a whole lot of money. Sounds like a whole lot of money. And it looks like a whole lot of money if you see the house. But again, Nancy, there was no ransom. None of their checks or credit cards were used. Nothing of value was taken. Not their cars, not jewelry, not earth. So what I'm saying is not necessarily that it was a theft case. What I'm saying is, could money have been a motive? I mean, there's n- no known sex attack. Oh, no question. Nothing we know of was stolen. Right. So what's the motive? Either it was money or information. Did What did they know? Did they know something? Or was it about the money? There's basically... There's three reasons normally people are going to kill you. Money, sex, or revenge. And if she wasn't sexually attacked, you can take sex off the table. We can't tie money to it. So that leaves revenge. And at this level of violence, you would almost want to look at that. Yeah, Sheriff Sills, Nancy, has said, this was a, I still remember him telling me this, this case screams out for a vicious enemy. But who that is, is in the wind. So, Alan Duke, uh, give us the tip line, please. Nancy, it's the Putnam County, Georgia Sheriff's Department that's the lead agency in this investigation. You can reach them with your leads at 706-485-8557. Again, for tips, the Putnam County Sheriff's Department, 706-485-8557. Here's a clip from the podcast by Macon Telegraph reporter Joe Kovacs interviewing the Putnam County Sheriff about how the bodies were discovered. 
On the evening that I visited him recently, he sat down in a cushioned chair out on that porch, lit a Cohiba cigar, and began telling the story of how the Dermans died and what's been done since. He started at the beginning, the late morning of May 6, 2014, when those worried neighbors found the headless body of their friend, Russell Derman. After calling several times, uh, they decided to drive over. When I say drive over, I'm not talking about a mile, or a mile and a half at the most. And uh, went in the kitchen door, which was not locked, uh, and uh, walked in the house and called out their names and things like that. They, they actually walked through the kitchen, and there was a door to the garage. That was one of the first things they did. They, from, from the kitchen into the garage and opened it and saw both of their vehicles there. And so they assumed they were there somewhere. And this is a two-story home, or, or at least a story and a half, or whatever you want to call it. It had a full basement that was partially finished. Uh, anyway, they walked through the whole house calling out their names and, and didn't, didn't find them. Uh, and then eventually uh, the, the man, this was a couple, a contemporary couple of theirs, uh, about the same age, uh, the garage door, when you opened it, you could see the cars, but there was a step, well, I say a step, at least three steps down from the kitchen level into the garage, and he stepped down there, and then when he got between the two cars, that's when he saw the body. And uh, the body was bad enough, but when he walked over there, that's when he saw that the head, uh, the, the head had been removed from the body. And, uh, of course, then they called, and you can imagine quite a, quite a state because the this there was somewhat bit of a confusion and uh, the dispatchers told me that you know there were bodies all over the house I, you know I, I don't know how it got construed that but uh, I obviously we responded that in a, a very quick fashion and uh, uh, and sure enough when we got there uh, uh, it was clear to me it was a post-mortem decapitation but nonetheless there was still a lot of blood that had drained from the uh, I think thoraxal cavity would be the proper uh, term uh, out all over the floor of the garage and uh, uh, and of course at that juncture hell we didn't even know who these people who these people were the mystery surrounding the brutal death of Russ and Shirley Dermond remains open and active. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com.
Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 